Welcome, ladies and gents, to this week's Kickstocks Football Weekly. League football has been put on pause for the week to make way for the nation's league games and international qualifiers, so we've decided to turn our attention to other important footballing matters for this episode. As a new proposed plan for the English top flight promises to shake up the Premier League, we discuss whether so-called Project Big Picture aims to change the EFL for better or worse. Wrexham goes to Hollywood? Will the historic Welsh football team's proposed takeover bring them to astounding new heights? Or will it simply be another box office flop? And, in light of the international break, we've put our diplomatic hats on and come up with our all-star starting 11 of current world leaders. All that and more in this week's pod. All right. All right. James. Victor. Nations League. Nations Have you been League. watching? Uh, bits and bobs here and there, but not really. Yeah. yeah, not too enthralled by it. To be fair, I can't say I'm the only one. I don't think. No, no. I think it's. Uh, I mean, we wouldn't have been missed in this time. No, uh, no. if it wasn't there. No, and let's let's be honest. When when there's no kickstock stats to talk about as well, there's what, there's no relevance. Life. There is no relevance. <laughs> it becomes utterly irrelevant. No, it's a, it's a shame. Obviously, we uh, we're planning on getting the international games there as well, but uh, yeah. Until then, we have to talk about different things. But I just guys, you know, just want to. Put out some some highlights of the Nation League. I don't know if you saw Sergio Ramos missing two penalties. I did, yeah. Unconventionally. Unconventionally as well. After scoring uh, 25 consecutive pens uh, before that. Do you think Do you think he listened to our podcast a couple of episodes ago where we where we crowned him the best centre-back of all time? You think the coronation's gotten to his head a little it bit? Might have, it might have. Yeah. Sergio, man, don't listen to us. Just no, keep going and no, doing what no, you're no, doing. No. Too many Vicks tips and tricks going <laughs> in that man's head. Uh, also, yeah, Belgium beat England. Um, yeah. Know. Uh, England. Mertens, man. Mertens is, Dries Mertens, aging like fine wine, huh? Mm, mm. Do you think Belgium are the favourites to win uh, Euro 21? Well, Belgium in the rankings, I believe, are the highest ranked team now, internationally, yep. in the FIFA rankings. Uh, so, considered the best team in the world. It's now or never for Belgium, I feel, though. It's now or never. I mean, uh, it's their golden generation, isn't it? They've got a stellar, stellar lineup uh, and a, a super strong squad. So I would be surprised if they didn't get to at least a semi-final, and I would put them as one of the favorites to win. I think. Yeah. I think their weak weak point is actually their defense, hmm. because you know you have Alderweireld for aging, who are aging. Yeah. Get slower. It, get a bit wobbly. Uh, I mean, their their midfield and their attack is still top, top, top of the world. Yeah. But their defense is is where where other teams could hurt them. So yeah. I'm not sure if they're. And 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 in tournament settings, actually, uh, usually the big teams that go all the way are the ones that have a solid defensive foundation behind yeah. them as well. Yeah. So I wouldn't uh, personally. I wouldn't say they were the favorites. I think France still has a good. Uh, France always. France always in of a shot. You can never disclaim Germany. Germany, Spain, yeah, always uh, dangerous. But um, what about Holland? Definitely you, not Holland. You fancy the Netherlands chances? Well, Frank de Boer got his first win. <laughs> he so, did. Uh, he did. So let's uh, let, not, let's praise him for that. A little in bit. convincing fashion, would you say? Mm, well, I mean, it was it was still wonky. Yeah. It was that. Uh, Bosnia had plenty of chances to make it more of a difficult game. They did. They so, did. Uh, and the Dutch team is just not convincing to me. But football is a results game. True. And at the end of the day, he got the result. And that's all that matters. That's all that matters. So hopefully he can build on that and uh, and be strong. But um, What I do really like, by the way, is that uh, these teams like North Macedonia and... Um, Scotland going to the Euros. Yeah, love that. Love that. That uh, that was probably my highlight of the week. I think seeing the celebrations from from the Scotland players and the what, Scottish fans. Tw- more than twenty years they weren't at a tournament, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. And 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 Scotland, you know, they're one of the historic national national teams. I mean, in the UK, they've always been known for producing top top talents throughout the eighties and seventies. Um, so it was a shame to see them in the last twenty years really sort of fall from grace yeah. a little bit. But now the Scots are back. But I think that's you know, as much as. Uh, the Nations League and the international games get a lot of criticism. I think this is one of their strongest points. Yeah. That these teams can also have a chance to qualify to the Euros because of the Nations For League. For sure. Otherwise, they would have never and, gone there. And they're in a group of England. So that's juicy. Scotland, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought it meant North Macedonia because they're in a group oh, so. with, uh, with Holland. So. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm still talking Scotland. <laughs> North Macedonia, Holland. What a classic that's going to be, though. Could be one for the yeah, ages. Yeah. I see a juicy North Macedonia upset on the books. All right. All right. Well, that's uh, well, that I'm going to go away right now and leave Speak- you. <laughs> Moving swiftly on, speaking of big upsets, yeah. um, uh, we're talking, of course, about Project Big Picture. Now, if anyone 
has been living under a rock the last couple of weeks and you haven't heard of Project Big Picture, uh, it's already a very divisive and potentially seismic idea that's been proposed to the Premier League and also the EFL and conjured up as these things kind of are by uh, a lot of the massive uh, big clubs throughout England. Uh, it's been described as the biggest single shakeup of English football uh, in a generation if it comes to pass. Um, basically, the plan is, should it go through, it advocates for a fundamental reform of the English game in two significant ways. A increase in financial solidarity from the top flight to the lower leagues and a substantial reform of governance in the Premier League. So, what's it all about? What uh, is the proposed, uh, what, 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 what does the proposal entail? So, some of the key points. Uh, the Premier League would be reduced from 20 to 18 clubs. The EFL Cup and the Community Shield would be scrapped current one club vote principle would be abolished as would uh, the rule that 14 clubs out of the current 20 need to agree on policy when coming to vote on on any uh, change that occurs within the Premier League the power would be in nine clubs that have remained in the Premier League for the longest so the so-called established big six Arsenal Chelsea Liverpool Manchester United Manchester City and Spurs along with three of the longest serving Premier League teams currently Everton Southampton and West Ham only six of the nine longest serving clubs would need to vote for a major change. That means that none of the other clubs uh, outside of that big nine would get any voting power at all. There would be a £250 million bailout for the EFL, which would be provided up front, plus a £100 million payment to the Football Association, which would go to cover their lost uh, money from uh, COVID, which is around 55 mil, and the rest would be for development across English football. And of course, the big one, 25% of Premier League's annual revenue uh, would go to EFL clubs, which is up from the current 4%. So, there's a lot to digest. Yep, a lot, lot of... Uh, and there's a lot to go points, through. Yeah. Uh, and I would say, Vic, it's it's a plan which shows a lot of promise. And in general, I think, actually, has a lot of really positive points in it. And, and it shows um, or has presented some really good ideas as to how football uh, could be shaken up for the benefit of smaller clubs throughout the leagues. But also, there are some worrying signs that it seems to be, the narrative around it is, uh, a power grab by the current elite in English football looking to cement their position at the top of the footballing pyramid. So, so uh, can, can you explain how it, is, how it is now? In what sense? Like voting? So, voting. So, all Premier League teams get one vote. Uh, all, all votes are essentially equivalent to one another. So, no one gets... Uh, any yeah. priority and when it comes to actually voting for any decision so whether that be voting in a new owner whether that be voting in a new policy within the Premier League you need at least 14, 14. clubs to vote uh, in favour and then it can be passed through in the new uh, in the new plans in uh, for Project Big Picture it would mean that only nine clubs would get a vote and only six of those nine clubs would have to vote in favour in order to uh, to enact a change essentially so first of all let's start with the EFL you can see why the English Football League would be in favour of it. Money. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, uh, the chair of the EFL, Rick Parry, he gave his public on record support coming out uh, saying that the basically the EFL needed a bailout from the Premier Leagues because they benefit more from TV revenues. Um, and it's viewed as a solution for a sustainable future for many clubs, especially in League 1 and 2. In principle, I haven't got a problem with that. I think that's 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 totally fair and, and agreeable, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think you know if if the whole chain of football and especially in England when you have so so the the chain of football is so long, you know you have all these divisions and yeah. leagues. If if that grows, then it only benefit it benefits everyone. So it benefits the, you know the the top, the the lower leagues. It's you know it's 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 good if not only the Premier League is the is the is the biggest uh, exactly yeah, the winner of all. You know. Yeah, and and. It only makes sense that the the highest earners in times of crisis, and let's be honest, the corona, coronavirus, the pandemic has had a knock-on effect for, of fans not being allowed into the grounds, which has led to EFL clubs feeling, feeling a real financial pinch. It only makes sense for those that are earning the most amount of revenues to share the love, spread the load, and actually help out uh, fellow clubs throughout the country, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, like I said, you know, if the EFL gets better, the Premier League will get better. Yeah, exactly. So so that, that we've got no problem with to be honest mm -hmm. um the main resistance from premier league members has pretty much been that it would place the power in the hands of the established so-called big six and that's probably where i would say i have my biggest reservations about it as well only votes from six clubs would be acquired to make major changes um and it, that for me is totally counterintuitive to football 
because football football is all about dynasties and it's it's fluid isn't it and and the top six that we have today hasn't been the top six forever there's there's been clubs that have come up and down you know we've seen Everton were a massive team throughout Europe in the 70s I mean I remember Ipswich Town used to be huge as well under under Bobby Robson back in the, the 80s as well um, okay but just to just to get in there uh, but in the last 20 years this has been the top six wouldn't you say Well, that's rich coming from a City fan. Because, uh, <laughs> I mean, I would say City have only really been an established top six member in the last 10 years. Spurs have only really been an established top six member probably in the last five to six All right, years. So let's say last Pochettino's decade, coming. this has been the clear top six. For sure. If you had to choose. For sure. Then For the sure. question is, do you think that's gonna that, that would change anytime soon? Obviously, you don't know. Mm. But maybe not. Maybe not. And given the way it's going, you know, now uh, rich clubs... Uh, find it easier to become even richer because yep. at the end of the day they're the ones really with the with the uh, attractive economic power in the Premier League but it doesn't mean it has to be like that forever uh, and I think it would be a real a real shame and a real travesty if you were to you know enact a change in the Premier League which would cement those top six forever for generations to come and mm -hmm. decades to come I mean don't you think that would promote a sense in the Premier League of any team that's outside of the so-called top six or even top nine, top nine yeah. it would just totally take away your ambition to grow as a club because then you've been given a ceiling for growth and your ceiling really can only ever be, you know, a mid-table team. Well, I, I think mainly the, the, the problem that I would have if I was one of these uh, other clubs is that, you know, my vote, no one cares about what I think. Yeah. So I wouldn't be hurt at all. So I think that's, you know, it's... It's it's I mean it's quite black on white how they how they really define these top six clubs as mm. as uh, having all the power and I think that's not really right. What I do think you know a suggestion for them that what they could change is maybe you know work on a more variable basis and not on a more fixed basis, because I do believe that if you add value to the league, like the more value you bring to the league, you know you you should also have a bit more say or more voting uh, voting power, right? Mm. Because I, you know, otherwise then there's no incentive for the for the big clubs to really invest back in the league. Yeah, sure. Uh, in that sense, but you know that could be on a variable basis, right? So if if, if for example you see we see that Leicester is really growing hard, mm. and I feel like you know um, they're kind of cementing their their place in the top eight, top six, even yeah uh, for the coming years, which is you know props to them. Because so imagine how they would feel. Exactly, because they so, might say in the next five years we're going to be a top six club. Exactly. So, so, so I, I don't really disagree with the fact that you know maybe a, a limited number amount of clubs would have a say, but I just feel like it would be better if they could make that more variable. Hmm. So, if if for example Tottenham have a, a decade where they're just you know not not performing well, or United even, yeah. Um, even though I don't think United, seeing the size in the in their fan base, that, that would ever happen, hmm. but uh, because they would always be a big club. But that they can also, you know, give some sort of incentive to these clubs like Leicester. Be like, hey, listen, if you keep on performing well, then you'll also have a vote. Because otherwise that incentive is gone, like you say. And they have they have, they have nothing to play for. I mean, what they have to play for essentially is, is money, revenues. True, true. But I mean, you, as, a, as a club, you also want to want to have influence and you want to be heard uh, with the association. Mm. Right. And now now Leicester has nothing to say mm. in this in this format. Exactly. It, sets yeah. a, it definitely sets a dangerous precedent. Some of the things that uh, clubs can actually vote for uh, in the Premier League, um, they can vote for the ability to approve TV deals and enforce changes to cost control rules and regulations. They can also veto proposed club ownership takeovers and prevent changes to the current distribution of broadcast revenues. So putting that kind of power in the hands of an elite nine clubs in the Premier League for me sets a pretty dangerous precedent because why would any of the other 14 clubs ever vote for something like that? It would pretty much be like... Turkey's voting for Thanksgiving. You know, you're pretty much you're pretty much voting for for your D-Day for yourself to essentially get slaughtered on Christmas Day or on Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> yeah, um, it just doesn't make sense. Uh, I I I, under I mean, where this is coming from? So it was it was apparently this proposal was written up predominantly and headed spearheaded by Liverpool's John Henry and Joel Glazer from uh, Manchester United, and it was agreed upon with the other big six bar one club, which hasn't been named. But they don't want to confirm that, right? But they don't want to confirm that. that that's uh, where it comes from. Yeah, and, and the funny thing is, is that this this has caused such an uproar in England 
And none of it is set in stone. It's all just a proposal. It would be the equivalent of you and I writing up a new proposal for English football and just putting it on Twitter and putting it out there. Maybe yeah? we should. Yeah, maybe we should. We probably wouldn't gain as much social media traction as these guys. <laughs> but but it's the same equivalent. But people have been up in arms about it. They've been, they've been outraged. Um, and it's been kind of interesting to see the fallout from it. And what, what, what annoys me is that there's actually some really good stuff in there. So, for example, the 250 million bailout to EFL, much needed. 100 million payment to Football Association, as long as it's reinvested in grassroots football, brilliant. 25% of Premier League's annual revenue uh, would go to the EFL clubs. So, so that's roughly north of 250 million pounds a year. That's massive. Massive. Massive for, for, for those EFL clubs. Um, How many clubs are there in the EFL? Like 25? Uh, it's, it's 24 per league after the Premier League. So yeah, okay, do so the math. Less than 10 mil. Yeah, yeah. Each club. But that's massive. That's a lot. That's huge. Bloody hell, for, for like a League Two team, yeah. who have a revenue of probably less than a million a year, that's uh, that's huge. So for the development of English football, great. Um, the other one is EFL Cup and the Community Shield will be scrapped. What do you think about that? What What's, what's, what's your say on that? Uh, I mean, the EFL Cup, who really cares, right? Well, so you say that, but... I mean, the one thing I don't mind is Community Shield, you know. See, I would mind the Community Shield. I think that's something special. Super Cup, you have it everywhere. Why would you Why would you take that away? I mean, the good it's thing about one, the It's one game. It's one game. It's and one it, game. And it's, you know, it's, it's in many in many countries, it's the start of the season. You know, it's, it has that tradition of, okay, this is the first real game of the season. Mm. The Community and, Shield in, and, in, in many leagues. And all, all, the, all, the, all the proceeds of it go to charity as well. So it all gets reinvested. That's fine. But the EFL Cup, you say, who really cares? But... Talk, say that to the fans of Swansea City who've won it who for probably Swansea City fans was the greatest day in the club's history Birmingham City fans who've gone all the way in it you know, Middlesbrough when it qualified them for Europe and they went on a pretty impressive run in Europe a couple of seasons yeah, ago I say that because there's already another cup which they can win there, right? there is there is but at the end of the day what's the, what's the point of having two cups I've never understood that in England because it's a way it's, it's first of all it's another uh, way for clubs to make uh, revenue because obviously the further you go in the tournament the more money you sure. get as proceeds and it just gives fans from lower league teams something to cheer about on a cup day yeah but they still have they still have, it's not like there's no cup anymore that's the thing there's just they got the FA Cup exactly that's what I mean yeah so and, 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 the and, and, and there's also um, I forget the name of the trophy now but it's one specifically for League 1 League 2 yeah um, it's something to do with chess no or it had to do something with chess. Something, yeah. Yeah, I forget. I remember, I remember watching it in, in the Southampton docu Netflix documentary. Yeah. yeah they got to the it. final or whatever. That's it. No, but I mean, the Carabao Cup, uh, that's what it's called now, right? The mm. EFL Cup? Yeah. Or is it? No. No, it's the... Um, it's it the is Carabao, Carabao Cup, yeah. yeah. So I was thinking Carling. No, that's, that's a way back. It's a throwback. Yeah, yeah it's Carabao Cup. Whoa. Yeah. No, I mean, obviously, lower-level lower teams... You know, they it's an extra prize they could win, but I mean, come on, man. Well, maybe maybe compromise. Maybe you could compromise. You could say, you know what? If you've qualified for Europe that season, you don't have to participate in it. You know, because it's it's only the it's only really the the, the big teams that are complaining about it. It's your Uniteds, your Liverpools, your Chelseas, your Tottenham, because it it just adds to a congested fixture list already. One hundred percent. But maybe you could just as a compromise, you could say if you're in Europe, you don't have to participate, or as a Premier League team, you can opt out. I mean, you okay. Want. Here's a question: Do you like watching the Carabao Cup? No, I don't care. But but I, I'm a United fan, so I, I'm thinking about Premier League. I'm thinking about FA Cup. I'm thinking about Champions League. I think every if Premier I'm, League team is thinking I'm, about Premier League. If I'm if I'm Pompey, you know, if I'm a, not if I'm, Premier League. No, no. But if I'm a Portsmouth fan, is what I'm saying. Mm. Or if I'm a fan of a of a Yeovil Town, for example, you're playing National League now. They were League Two. Um, you would be really looking forward to an EFL Cup run. You know, that's the one thing you've got because you can also play one of the big boys, which for them is a huge occasion when one of the big boys come to their ground or if they even get to travel to so one of the Premier League grounds. Massive. Okay, yeah. so then here's the reverse question. Why not add a third cup? No, but then you're getting outrageous. Why? Why? <laughs> Don't get ridiculous. No, but, I'm, no, but it's, I'm, it's, you know, it's the point I'm trying to make. No, like, but look, it was added in 1978. It was, it was one of these things which was added as, you know, an extra incentive for clubs in lower league teams to... to to, to try and strive for and also probably another way of just the FA just trying to splash some cash you know because obviously they're sure on sure it. but I mean listen I'm not I you know I'm I'm not English so I would I thought know. you were a citizen you're yeah, a citizen mate yeah sure but born that, in London but I just yeah, that's supporting true, that's city true, that's like true. any good London woman that's London true, that's true that's true <laughs> no, but, but I see I see no uh, listen if they take it away no I, 
I don't think anyone is going to make a really big deal of it okay. for a long time because it, they no, still have another cup to play. No, no love lost between Vic and the, and the Carabao, Carabao Cup. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it that they, they change these names. Carabao, man. Yeah, they should just they should just stick to like one constant sponsor. Like for example, Barclays Premier League. That's been like that for an eternity. It's been like and that. Forever. And I love I love that it's just the FA Cup now. I feel like it used mm. to be called different now, or was it always the FA no, Cup? No, no, it was always the FA Cup. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's Football Association Cup. It's always the EFL Cup that changes. Uh, so you yeah. had the yeah, I think it was a Coca Cola Cup at one point as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know in Belgium you have the croquis, you know the chips, the, yeah, the crisps, yeah, yeah. Uh, you have the croquis cup, the croquis cup, nice. Yeah. I like the alliteration. In 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 Holland you have the KPN Telecompetitie Beker, which is the lekker, the network carrier. Oh, lekker, <laughs> lekker. Did they take that seriously in Netherlands? Yeah, because it's the only cup. Uh, okay, we only have one cup. I mean, it's a smaller league though. Let's be honest. True. True, and and there's less professional leagues in 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 Holland. I mean, the UK, as I mean, far as I know, England is is the only big five league that has more four clubs. professional teams, four professional All leagues. leagues. Yeah, because no, I know I know in France you have the the Coupe de la Ligue and the Coupe de France. Yeah, also two cups. Yeah, I would I would I have no idea what the difference is. I mean, one is the official one, one is less official. I don't know. But do league do league and teams compete in both? Yeah. Okay. Oh. I think so. I think there was this, this this season where Paris won everything. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, fair is. I mean, in, that, in Spain, I don't know if there's another cup. Yeah. In that in, in that in that in that example, of course, doesn't make sense. But anyway, we'll move on. Uh, Premier League being reduced from twenty teams to eighteen teams. What do you think about that? Does that have a big significant impact? Also, as as a caveat to that, um, relegation would mean that the team third from the bottom would actually have to play in a playoff position for the three other teams from the championship that are in the playoffs. So they, the the winner of the playoffs has still has to play a no. Premier League team? No, no, no. So the Premier League team would drop, actually, down into a four-team ah. pool where they would have to, have to play playoffs. Okay, so cool. not quite like Germany, where the third from the bottom play the team competing for playoff position. Because, you know, yeah. in Bundesliga, it's always that one uh, grudge match. This would be more like they would drop into a pool of four and then they'd play a semi-final and a final. Yeah, okay. Mm. So... There could be there could be two teams relegating from the Premier League and two teams promoting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Minimum. Yeah, or or three happen. teams going down, exactly, or three yeah. and three teams coming up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that would add but a bit I like of spice. That. I mean, I mean, I love I love playoffs at the end of the season. I mean, yeah. it's not a good argument for for the amount of games that are being played nowadays, but I mean, it's nice. You know, if the season is if, if the season is done, the playoffs are epic. There's always drama. I mean, I'm thinking about this game a long time ago. Troy Les- Dini. Leicester versus uh, uh, Watford. Watford. Troy Dini and Almunia. Well, and Leicester Ooh, missed yes. a penalty. Yeah, um, and then and then exactly Almunia uh, saves uh, it. Knock arm, missed yeah. it. Yeah. And then Almunia saves it, boots it upfield, boots it upfield to Troy Dini, who smashes it in to win the game. I mean, that's that is just a magical moment in football that you don't get anywhere other than championship. And you know what? The playoff game is the most lucrative. The playoff final is the most lucrative game in, in world football. Yeah. Hundred million pounds on the line there. Yeah, no. So I mean, I I I'd agree from a neutral perspective. I'd agree to that for sure. Because just uh, it's just nice. Mm. And I feel like you know the EFL they have to play a. It, the, so the only person this would be negative for, or the only club would be for the, the 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 EFL or the uh, the championship. championship club, who does not go to the playoffs now because there's another team coming from the Premier League. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. So the number five. Yeah, but no, then the number six. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. It wouldn't necessarily change. Oh, okay. Yeah, in that you know what sense. I mean? Yeah, exactly. In that sense. So if yeah. you're number six, you wouldn't go to the playoffs because there's a Premier League team going yeah. to the playoffs. Yeah. But then again, you sweeten the deal and say, well, you know what, you're getting more money a season anyway. No, but I mean, if that's the only negative thing, yeah. you know, for the rest, it, no, it's only sure. advantageous. So it, it it seems that for for that rule and scrapping the EFL Cup and Community Shield, that's something to do with trying to alleviate fixture con- congestion because obviously Premier League teams now would have to play 34 games season rather than 38 uh, as is the current uh, situation and maybe they'll get less EFL Cup games and, and obviously that's a big problem throughout the leagues because you've got managers constantly complaining about fixture congestion the players are playing but too many games you could think of it in a different from a different perspective as well right um, that if tantalize me if there's 18 if there's 18 clubs you know there's more money to be, uh, to be I mean the 18 clubs get relatively more money because yeah. there's you know there's two less clubs where, yeah, for sure. uh, to share the Premier League money with yeah for sure so maybe I know I feel like in, in football every uh, there's so many decisions based on, on based on economics and money that uh, that this could be like uh, the top team saying okay 
you know, will agree to to the to the pay cut or to the you know the pay increase to the EFL with twenty five percent. Yeah. But then we want two teams out of here. Yeah. So that we know that the that the hit isn't as hard. No, exactly. And there's also talks with this revamp um, to actually make the prize money for finishing in higher positions in the Premier League more competitive. So you'd it'd actually be spread. Uh, I guess more in favor of teams that higher that finish higher in the Premier League, um, which would be good. But that would also make sense considering if well, would you would it be good though. Well, if you were to drop if you were to drop two teams, you'd have more money to spend. Therefore, you could give more money to teams that finish higher in the league. Yeah, but I feel like this is really coming from the side of these top six teams or the top two teams. Well, because yeah. because you know if you're looking at it from a from a more fair perspective, you'd say okay, increase the prize money, but make it balanced all over. So that so that you know so that the 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 top doesn't get stronger. Yeah, but, stays at the top. but like like you said, like you said, the 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 top teams, the top established teams, you know, they are now in a position where because they're so big and there's so much money in football, chances are they're going to grow even faster because you know they're making now so much money for finishing higher in the league. There's always going to be a disparity there. There's always going to be a disparity. Yeah, sure. There? Which is in, every, in any form yeah. of business. But at least at least more of that money is going to get reinvested in the EFL, which is going to make lower league teams more competitive, which is going to give them at least more of a platform to be able to develop and, and at least aim for a shot at getting promoted in the league. You know? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. No. Yeah. I mean, I get that. Yeah. I just think, you know, I just think I feel like the, I feel like these 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 top clubs are they they aren't choosing to do this out of goodwill, mm-hmm. you know, or in favor of. I feel there's always something in it for well, them, that, and that was and ninety nine percent of the time it's money. That was my next question to you. Does this kind of plan highlight that there's never an incentive in football to act in the greater good? Are teams always going to be? looking to make decisions based on their own personal benefit because because we're looking at it from the perspective of football fans yeah. and as football fans we want to see fairness and equality we want to see all teams with an equal shot of flourishing but if you own a football club you're thinking of it purely in terms of a business and you're always looking 100%. for a competitive edge and you're always looking to make as much money as you possibly can yeah no i i yeah i 100 think so mm. i think it's i think football is one of the most selfish businesses in the world mm. selfish industries mm. Because there's so little sympathy and empathy that that clubs have towards each other, it's all about us, 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 and that the one club that that's that's uh, involved, you know. So, I mean, let's 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 fantasize about it being a noble effort, but if you know, if you're realistic, no way. That's what really disappoints me about this plan as well, because there's a lot of really positive outcomes from this plan. There's a lot of really positive, but it's all been overshadowed by this narrative that ultimately the precursor to top teams relinquishing some of their financial power or I guess financial rewards uh, the precursor to that is they want to gain more power from a sense from a voting sense or more political power in the Premier League and they want to cement their positions fully and permanently as top six or top nine in the Premier League I 100% think so because Mm. And the top six specifically, because actually the top six would be cemented. The other three are based on the longest serving teams in the Premier League at that point. So if Southampton or West Ham were to get relegated, they would be replaced by the next longest serving Premier League team. So that that last three would be semi-fluid, but the top six would be fully cemented. Yeah, unless they get relegated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unless they get relegated, perish the thought. Uh... Most likely team out of those top six to get relegated in the next 20 years? Manchester United. <laughs> I, I don't even know why I asked that. I knew you were going to say that. I'd probably say the same thing, to be fair. <laughs> I'd probably say the same thing. Oh. But I mean, let's, you know, I, I think change is good uh, to a certain extent in, in football. I think there's always improvements to be made. Hmm. Uh, it doesn't have to be too radical all the time, but, you know, the sport has to develop. The leagues have to develop. The clubs have to develop, and, and you know, get along with the times. Mm. So, um, so I think it's good that they're actually thinking about, uh, you know, and this is not only about the Premier League, but also other leagues. Yeah. About you know how can we increase competitiveness and and you know make it more interesting for the fans, um, to to you know to develop the sport. Mm. So. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. And football undeniably needs a reboot. We just need to turn it off and on again, and and, re- I mean, you just and revamp need to it. Somehow. Develop like anything else, you know. It's, yeah. If you stay stagnant, 
for a long time, then you're going to fall behind. And, and yeah. that's, you know, you just need to continue innovating. But that's with everything in the world, James. It's mm. a lesson for me, man. That's with everything. That's Vic's tips and tricks <laughs> for the week. <laughs> Cue that jingle. Continued. Vic's tips and tricks. In other news, Wrexham. You heard of him? I have heard of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, who hasn't? Who that, hasn't? Exactly. That historic Welsh club who are now languishing in 16th in the National League are officially going to Hollywood. They have been subject to an official bid by actors Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElnaghy. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, a takeover was approved after 98% of Wrexham Supporters Trust members voted in favour for the planned revival of the club. So the high-profile duo now have outlined their vision to make Wrexham a global force during an online meeting with supporters this month. <laughs> so it sounds like something straight out of Football Manager, um, taking Wrexham from 16th in the National League to Champions League final in five seasons. Can they do it? Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, Deadpool can definitely do it. Mm. Do you know Rob McElhinney, by the way? Do you ever watch yeah. uh, Always Sunny in Philly? Uh, Always I've, Sunny in I've Philadelphia. I've seen it before. But I've seen yeah, he's it. Mac from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. But I mean, obviously Ryan Reynolds is the bigger name. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, did, I think I feel this has been going on for quite a while. I know because hmm. I remember seeing a couple of interviews with Ryan Reynolds, and that he's you know he's quite the passionate football fan actually. Well, he is. Uh, if, uh, apparently, yeah, he's. They've seen a gap in the market in sheep shagging country, huh. in the heart of Wales, the land, the land of leeks and farmers, and apparently there's a there's a there's a, a glorious opportunity to be had with Wrexham. Uh, so good on him. Good on I mean, I, I always think it's interesting if you have like these prolific people, you know, buying these little, relatively smaller clubs. I mean, I read this article today about um, about PK's club, right? The one in FC Andorra, mm. who play in the second or third division. I think third division in in Spain. It's a little passion um, project through his, um, yeah, through his uh, private equity or venture capital firm, uh, Cosmos, mm. or investment firm. Let's leave it at that. I mean. I, you know, I have no problem with that as long as they have the the best interest in the club. Yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure that Wrexham is not going to um, negatively be affected by this purchase. I think they can only be positively affected. Yeah, for sure. Because in terms uh, of morale and investment. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, so you know, good good on them. If they have passion for the club, then why not? The passion and money. The proposed takeover is expected to bring about two million pounds of investment into the club. Um, and McElhenney and Reynolds have promised to use their money, uh, marketing and fame to restore Wrexham's fortunes and a Netflix-style documentary charting the new era uh, being planned. So I mean, these kind of things would have never happened if they weren't involved, right? So uh, Exactly. Since it's an international special, uh, Vic, this week, we figured we would go the extra mile and get super international and put our diplomatic heads and on. And political. And political. Uh, and this is by request of one of our most avid listeners, one of our biggest fans. I don't know. Is he, though? I feel like he hasn't listened to the last few pods. But he's, he's, he's a guy who's looked up to us ever since high school. Oh, that's true. That's yeah. true. I mean, some might say we've inspired him. We've In, in um, many ways. Yes, and that's... You know, he sings our praises. Exactly, we've 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 shown him the ways of humor, of of wisdom, and yeah. uh, and we've helped. He's still learning from us, and I feel. he's still learning to this day. And we've helped him to grow up to be the fine young man that he is today. Absolutely. We are, uh, we are of course talking about Mathieu Asman, the Frenchman. Although we don't hold that against him, he sent in a suggestion this week. He wants. He has sent in his uh, his all star XI of current world leaders. And you know what? I figured. I would try and make my own XI and match it against him. And I want you, Vic, to vote for who you think is the best XI out of the two. Okay. Do you think you can do that? Yes, of course. Right, so Vic, I know you have been a big proponent for this segment. You've been begging us, begging me to do this segment. I've had to, I've had to, you know, fight and kick and scream, but here it is. It's finally here. Are you ready? Uh, now, now you got me all curious. Like, obviously. <laughs> all right. So what I'm going to do is Matt, Matt sent in his XI. I'm going to 
present to you the uh, goalkeeper and the defence first from both our teams, and you're going to vote for which one you think is nicest or best, which one you think would be the best. I need to hear all the explanations, though. Huh? Of course, of course. We have justifications for all of them. Exactly. And then I'll present the midfield from both our teams, and then again, you'll vote for which you think is strongest, and then finally the front three. And whoever gets the most votes, obviously, will have the strongest team. So, I'm going to start with Matt. Now, Mature has gone for a slightly different angle than me. Matt has really taken these world leaders and looked more at their physical attributes, how they'd be as footballers, yeah. uh, and applied that. I, I've, I've taken a more kind of characteristic, uh, I guess, of personality traits uh, for, for my XI. So we'll start with Matt's back four and goalkeeper first. So in goal, he's gone for Trump. He says purely down to his size. Now we know Trump is a bit of a fat boy. Let's be honest. I, I can't think of too many world leaders that are probably bigger than him. Uh, I can think of one. Yeah, go on. Well, maybe. I don't know about Bojo. Bojo, yeah, he matches him. Maybe uh, like Kim Jong-un, uh, Xi Jinping. But anyway, so he's, he's big. He says purely on size. Uh, on the positive side, you'd expect constant shouting from him. He'd really own his box. So he would I mean, be... goalkeeper needs to be crazy and coach, right? Exactly. And vocal. And, and, and also the color orange uh, tends to put players off a little bit. So maybe his skin tone would be a good distraction. Yeah. Left back, he's gone Macron. Uh, Emmanuel Macron. Level-headed. Good fitness, apparently. Don't know how he judges that. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, I'll take his word for it. Uh, he says, all right defensively, but uh, good offensive threat. Similar to Andy Robertson, he's compared him to. I mean, that's quite, that's quite a comparison. But all right. Centre-back and captain. Oh, I haven't picked my captain yet, actually. Angela Merkel. Cool, calm, collected, but firm, mutti. Uh, <laughs> what she lacks in size, she makes up for an exquisite reading of the game and gets physical when she needs to. Similar to Cannavaro. So he's, I like it, he's compared a lot of these uh, world leaders to, to players, current yeah. and former as well. Uh, partnering her in centre-back, Jair Bolsonaro, Brazilian president. Uh, absolute nutcase, apparently. Uh, similar to Pepe, he said. Which you, I think is You good. put Pepe in there? I feel like Pepe... Pepe. Anyone who looks like Pepe or acts like Pepe is not someone you want in your football team. Bit of a hothead, eh? Red cards all around. Yeah, yeah. Could Anyways, I'll leave the critique till after. Sorry to interrupt. No, and then one contentious but, I mean, one. This one I need to critique. One contentious one, which I know <laughs> you're eager to critique. Mark Rutte at the right back position. Nothing exceptional, but does the job. You know, that's pretty much his... Uh, Prime Ministerial role encapsulated there. He compares him similar to Arbaloa. Varo Arbaloa. Okay, I need to stop you there because that's just <laughs> the most disgraceful, the most horrific um, comparison I've ever heard in my life. For who? For, Al- for Ruto or Arbaloa? For Ruto. Arbaloa. Alvaro Arbaloa. This is the worst, the, the worst player that's been so successful I don't even know the worst say. best player the worst ever existed. the worst I mean, most successful player there has this guy's a world cup winner he has a two time champions league winner but yeah. this guy was so poor he was so poor and he was only in those squads because there was he was lucky enough that there was no better right back mm. and obviously you know he did he, like his mistakes they were they were made up for, for, for by, by players who were so much better than him. Like he in in the Spain defense, he had he had Ramos, Puyol, uh, Capdevilla, or I don't even know who else who could make up for his mistakes. So it you know his his lack of talent and lack of skills. He's an imposter. They got unnoticed because you know people cover for him, and they you know the rest of the team was such was such high level at Real Madrid and at Spain. Um, I can get this you. guy out of here. <laughs> you cannot put him in any XI. You know, and obviously you compare to Rutte. Come on, Mark Rutte has been our vi- for, uh, has been our uh, prime minister for years now, um, almost a decade. You think it's almost an insult? I, I, to him. I don't think it's almost an insult. I think it's one hundred percent insult. <laughs> I think Rutte, you know, he's he's obviously he does the job. He's cool, and he he's a I bit. See, I see him more. As he's a, a bit vanilla though, Rutte. Nah, he's I'd a bit see, plain. I'd, I'd, I'd see him as more. He's as white. A, he's white bread. Philip Lam. Philip Lam. Philip Lam. Yeah. Oh I think wow. That's a better comparison. Right. Okay. Yeah. Someone who's who's been at the forefront for for a long time. I can tell you feel you feel very strongly about this. Has Arbelo? I mean, this Arbelo just offended uh, you somehow. Yeah, Has he lost you? Lost you? I kind of don't want to take Matt's 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 XI serious anymore. <laughs> if, he, if he makes these kind of comparisons, All right, well, let me okay. So that's, I mean, that's his backline anyway. So let me let me present to you my backline instead. Yeah. 
So in goalkeeper, I've gone Jacinda Ardern, the, the Kiwi Prime Minister. Mm-hmm. I think she's a safe pair of hands. She's got things pretty much under control. I mean, the way she's handled Corona has been exemplary. Uh, given that she's married as well and she's just had a child, you know, the fact that uh, in marriage you tend not to um, get down and dirty too much. I imagine she's also no stranger to keeping clean sheets. So I think that would be uh, a solid, a solid uh, addition to the goalkeeping position. At right back, I've gone Boris Johnson, a.k.a. Bojo. Yeah, I think he's constantly on the defensive about everything, about Brexit, about COVID, benefits, sex scandals, the economy, you name it, he's always on the defensive. So it's his natural state, so I think he would suit that position. The only problem is if he bulldozes opponents like he's been known to bulldoze small Asian children on school sports days, then he could be a hazard. I don't know if you've seen that video when he plays rugby. He showed up to a school on a school sports day and he was playing rugby and this uh, small little Asian kid uh, got the ball. I know. And he he tried to tackle Boris Johnson and he just rammed him like a truck. Like He just destroyed him, plowed him. So he could be a yellow card waiting to happen. Right, right-sided centre-back Jair Bolsonaro, president of Brazil. Similar to Matt, you know, I like my defenders feisty and aggressive. So mm-hmm. if Jair Bolsonaro can hack down players like he hacks down trees from the Amazonian rainforest, I think we'll be in business. I think he'll do a good job. Also, you know, uh, he's fairly right-wing, so right-sided centre-back uh, I think would suit him. Left-sided centre-back, if we're going right-wing on the right, we should go left-wing on the left. It makes sense. Kim Jong-un from North Korea. Feisty, tenacious, no-nonsense defender. He'll have a couple hidden tricks up his sleeve. Uh, He's also a leader for me that's willing to let his people suffer from widespread famine to retain his power. So I'm hoping he'll be equally keen to starve his opponents of opportunities in and around the box. And then left back, Justin Trudeau. I mean, this guy, he's donned blackface, red Indian, rich, overprivileged, white man. I mean, all in one lifetime. So he's quite versatile. I think he'll be quick to get himself out of trouble, same way as he did with those scandals. And that speed and agility for me could come in handy down the left-hand side. So... That's my back line. What do you think? Uh, I think, despite despite the comparison of uh, Rutte to Arbeloa, Ooh. and if you if you purely look at the names, the political names up there, I definitely choose Matt's Matt's back. Matt's back, back four, maybe, maybe uh, because you have in one of your most key pivotal position, you have one of the most unpredictable leaders in this world, and people who the most. Probably is the most infamous in in this whole lineup. Kim but Jong-un. K- Kim Jong Un would be like he'd be like a a, a Ramos to me, you know. Ramos is it, in, in the sense that absolutely not. In the sense that everybody who is against him absolutely hates him. But if he's on your team, you back him one hundred percent because he is the one true leader. <laughs> Ramos Ramos is 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 reliable. He's pre- he's predictable in his reliability. You know that's that's my point. And Kim Jong Un is 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 a hothead. He's unreliable, unpredictable. He's ready to detonate. No any one second. knows what he's going to do next, and that's not who you want to have as your centre back. Maybe more of like a David Luiz then. One hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> that's a better comparison. And no way I would want David Luiz <laughs> yeah. in my centre. You're right. You're any right. Any more than I would. You know want what? I'll Arbeloa. give you that. Okay, so Matt, you've taken round one. Good and on I like you. I like the Donald Trump. Uh, you know, back in goal, back and goal, sh- coaching, shouting, and even mouth. though half of it's nonsense, you know, as long as he's he he he, he, sh- he shows off some authority, that always scares opponents. I'm thinking of Oliver Kahn for some reason, but so point one to Matt. So we go to the midfield now. We're gonna go back to Mature's list. So he's gone for an interesting uh, midfield line. We've both gone, by the way, for a four-three-three. Matt's gone more for. Uh, a kind of a CDM, a box-to-box, and uh, number 10. I've gone for an upside-down triangle with a CDM and then two centre-mids in front. So, for Mathieu, he's gone CDM, Vladimir Putin. Controls absolutely everything around him. Nothing gets past him. Throws himself into every challenge, apparently. And he can sometimes lose his head and take it too far. He's he's, he's compared him to Gattuso, uh, a player that we'd all want in our team, let's be honest. Vladimir Putin. Uh, In centre-mid, Sheikh Tamim bin Hamad Al Thani from Qatar. Uh, he says apparently he's bought the World Cup, so it'd be good to have a guy with that much influence at the heart of the team. I mean, let's be honest, he's got a point. He could probably pay the referee as well with his track record, couldn't he? And then in centre attacking mid, Trudeau. Oozes class, 
Looks effortless with the ball at his feet. Again, I don't know where he's where he's getting this from, but sure. I'll just looks, take... looks effortless. <laughs> uh, I'll, Matt, I'll... Where have you seen this? Or, or next time you play football with him, let us let, let us invite know us along. Enjoy. I don't think I've ever seen him kick a ball in my life, but I mean, I'm, I'll take his word for it. Doesn't run. Much. Doesn't run much, but excellent passing. Comparing to Pirlo, <laughs> I'm thinking purely purely from? on a hairstyle basis. He's comparing him to Pirlo. Yeah, that's that's the only way I can assume he knows anything about. Um, about his similarities to Pillow, I suppose. So, that's Matt. I've gone for my CDM, Angela Merkel. Solid, steady influence in midfield. Cool, calm and collected. Sweeps up all the pieces and steadies the ship. She's an absolute anchor in midfield. So, Muti, you're my CDM. For my box-to-box, I've kind of cheated a little bit. She's not really uh, head of state, but she is head of an empire. It's Queen Elizabeth II. I'm throwing her in there as a box-to-box. Absolutely. I mean, I need, Vic, in my, as my box-to-box player, I need a solid engine in midfield. And Queenie has the biggest engine in the game. She's had over 170 individual, individual serve as her realm's prime ministers throughout a long and industrious reign spanning 68 years. And she commands the respect of all those around her. For me, she's the biggest engine in the game. Plus, she has the experience. And she's got the experience. <laughs> And I, I bet she'd look great in a pair of uh, high sock shorts and uh, football, it's your queen football you're kit. Talking about, it? Yeah, I love her. I love her. And then as a centre mid, uh, I've gone pairing Queenie Alexander Alexander Lukashenko from uh, the president of Belarus. Despite convincingly losing his re-election campaign this year, he's refused to leave his office, showing a level of determination and fight that I need in my team. So I have him in there every day of the week. This was the guy who, who claimed Corona didn't exist in Belarus, right? Pretty much, and and. When the going gets tough, he won't give up. And Belarus, let's be reminded, is the only EU country not to have shut down its footballing league during Corona. So he's a true football lover. So for me, he deserves to be in that team. Okay. So <laughs> I can tell. I, mean, I, I can tell say, you're loving this segment. I gotta say, not the strongest midfields on both on both sides. Let me just get Matt's here. What did he put? Mature, mature's gone. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. Where, I don't know where he gets the the Trudeau definition from. Matt, you're. Uh, I think he's got a bit of a man crush. To be fair, that, by, by the way he described him. Yeah, that and no, Macron, no, 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 Macron right. being fit. No, that's, oh, yeah, I forget he told me that uh, before. Yeah, so, makes sense. Uh, that's makes that's sense. the reason. Um, he wishes he was Canadian, really. I mean, being I don't French think, is overrated. I don't think Putin is 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 the real CDM you want. I feel like bit uh, too nimble, bit too bit too yeah. small. I mean, I, on the other hand, your your midfield... Angela Merkel. Come on, she steadies that ship. Yeah, sure, sure. But I, I, I'm missing some creativity. I'm missing some some guy who can give the last pass, some guy who can... Is that what you want from your nowhere. CDM? Do you want creativity no, no, or do no, you not no, want no, no, rigid anchor? I'm talking about the midfield anchor. in general. Ah. So I, I, get the, I, get the, I get the stability uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the CDM. I get the experience and the, and the engine in the box-to-box. But in the CAM, I'm missing, you know... I'm missing some creativity, mm. but I think I'm going to go with your, mainly because of the queen and God save her. God save uh, that queen. I'm going to go with your midfield. Right. I take round two. That's one point each. So it all comes down to the front three. The front three. This is it. To decide it. It's been a solid contest so far. Here we go, Vic. Right wing. Mature's gone for Boris Johnson. Absolute bulldozer. Uh, he's also highlighted, you know, the uh, example of him bulldozing children on a school sports day. Apparently, it's notorious. Which is what you need to do, obviously, as a right wing. Exactly. <laughs> not not much of a touch, and uh, I can uh, I can vouch for that. He's not got much of a subtle touch, does old Bojo, but he makes up for it with excellent commitment and effort, despite his size. Uh, he compares him to Dirk Kout. What do you make of that comparison? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hair and looks wise, they're about me. on par. He's just saying this to Western me. I thought, uh, I thought Matt has this 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 un, uh, undefinable and un, un, I don't know, unfathomable love for Dirk Kite, which I've always thought he was all right, but somewhat kind of hated him as well because <laughs> just not the not the technical player you want to see up front on the right mm, wing. Mm. I prefer someone else. But uh, okay, go on. Sorry. I'll take that left wing. Uh, he came up with Duarte from the Philippines. He says he'll talk a good game. He's feisty, a bit of a pit bull on the left. And he's got legs for days, so he will run a lot. And then up top, I didn't take this guy purely because Matt had already taken him. But for me, he's, uh, well, he's a guarantee in there. George Weyer, head of, president of Liberia. I mean, he's the only one who's an actual footballer. <laughs> yeah. And the only African player to win the Ballon d'Or. So... He's got him as a centre forward. You can't really dispute that, can you? 
No, not really. But I also feel it's the easy choice. Yeah. He's copped out a little yeah, bit, isn't he? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. A little bit. We, we, we all could have chosen George. Yeah, everyone would have, so, you know. Yeah. yeah. I'm hoping you have some more originality. Uh, maybe not original, but I still think it's a solid contender for for my centre forward. So, for my left wing, I've gone Mohammed bin Salman from Saudi Arabia. I just want him to terrorise defenders down that left-hand side. That's what I'm going to say about that. Okay. <laughs> right, right wing. I've got Recep Tayyip Erdogan from Turkey. Now, for me, he's pretty much one of the most radical right-wing world leaders on the planet at the moment. So it makes sense to play him in his natural position. And he'll silence the away crowd like he silences domestic journalists and anti-government protesters with ease, I think. And I think also he'll have uh, quite a few tricks up his sleeve. So I think for me, absolute solid on the right. And then centre forward, that man, my pit bull, leader of men, a true champion in all senses of the word. It has to be Donald J. Trump. It has to be. The focal figure, whether he has to grab defenders by the pussy or smack them in the face with some cold, hard facts, unverified, by the way, for the record. He'll do anything to get the goal. He's all about his numbers, so he'll be obsessive with goal scoring. And the only issue maybe would be on headers. He won't want to mess his hair. I think on set pieces, you know, I just think you'll... Well, I mean, with some wind, you can get those extra few inches, right? Yeah, potentially, the potentially. So, control the ball on his head. Yeah, so that, actually that could, be his, that could be his trump card, so to speak. So that's, that's my front three versus Matt's front three. <laughs> Vic, you've got the deciding vote. Can I, can I, can I also not vote? <laughs> <laughs> There's I mean, got to be I a feel, winner. I feel like, okay, like I said, I feel George Weah is the easy option. Uh, obviously the obvious uh, choice. I feel like your attack misses some finesse. Mm. It misses some, you know, Erdogan is loud. Trump is loud. Been That's what you want. You, 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 but no, they're, but they're you always want, front and center. They no, steal you, the show. You also want, you want that, your front three to steal no, the show. No, you want that quiet guy or girl or anyone quiet leader mm-hmm. who you know does a job and silences the crowd with their feet mm. and that's kind of what I miss with you um, and I, but you know I feel like Matt Matt's also missing that a little bit um, so can I leave think? it at a tie or do I have to choose a winner well no I, I'm going to have to push for a winner here I think I'm going to have to push for a winner I, th- I think uh, the dictator has spoken drum roll please if you had way out in your in your lineup oh you're going to kill me for the lack of four for, for going for some... I should be fat and go for originality. I've got something there. I'm going to go with yours. Winner! Yeah, but sure, you've heard it here I, first. Mainly also because I don't like Bojo on the right wing. I feel like that's... That's, that's, that's so poor. That's someone who you... Would not want on the right wing. You need someone who can make a dribble, make actions, make you know dangerous crosses. Bojo would not even know where the ball is. Exactly, exactly. He'd just be an accident waiting so to happen. So because of that, so, James, you are crowned the winner of so, the political exile. So there it is. There it is, folks. Uh, you heard it here first. That's that's the political exile for the week. If you think you could make a better political exile than that, feel free to send it in. We're all ears. And I don't care the justification, whether you think, as Matt stated, it's Macron's fitness or Trudeau's absolute agility and quality on the ball. God knows how he's referenced Or Duarte, that. who has the legs for it. Or Duarte, who's had, who's had the legs for it. Or whether it be any other, t- any other characteristic they may show, let us know. Did we get one wrong? Could we have done one differently? That's it, Vic. Are you sad that's over? I know you were looking forward to that for quite a while. I'm devastated, James. Yeah. I'm devastated. You know, I, hope, maybe I hope many the world leaders are not listening because... Uh, <sighs> it feels I mean, like they could be offended. They could be really... If, it, they it could be, uh, what's it called? Uh, flattered. flattered. Yeah. It feels like if it actually feels like if, if the UN were to do a conference and do a sports day and they actually did an 11 aside, these could be the kind of teams that they would actually put on the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Well, let's hope it never gets that far because then we know the state of the world is not great. Uh, maybe one day we can always dream. Anyway, that's it for this week. Maybe we'll do some other exercise of different themes uh, in future episodes. Who knows? I'm saying that for the first time on this pod. <laughs> Victor's face just lit up with joy and excitement I bet you can't wait for that but other than that I uh, hope you've enjoyed the pod and uh, Vic any parting words well, I mean next week we're back with club football so uh, Champions League baby Champions League let's go let's go it's coming up see you next time